1: Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on sports grid. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, here as well. Our number two of the early line. And, Kev, you know, we started with football today because the season opener, everything's kicking off. We are ready for some football. However, we have led the show over the last couple of weeks with the NBA playoffs. And so let's turn our attention to that now because, Kev, I got to tell you, I think it was the best game of the entire NBA playoffs we saw last night. Game six between the Celtics and the Raptors. It was, in my opinion, heavyweight punch after heavyweight punch, back and forth, and it was exciting to me. The Raptors on the brink of elimination, as you see here, Kyle Lowry showing the heart of a champion, 33, eight and six, clutch shots in overtime. When Pascal Siakam couldn't deliver, they were daring him to take a shot. It turns out that Kyle Lowry's still there. Fred Van Fleet's still there. Norman Powell is there. And there was no shortage of dynamic, you know, offensive uh, demonstrations by the Celtics as well. The Raptors win this game 125-122 to 122 in double overtime, Kevin, setting up a game seven.
2: Yeah, you, you know, this is a series where I want to say seven feels right, but I also... You know, in a 3 3 series, I feel like Boston has just definitely been the better team. And you look at two of these three wins that the Raptors have under yeah. their belt, and I don't think it's disrespectful to say they are very fortunate to have those. Now, I want to make a point on Pascal Siakam. Five hmm. of 19 from the field, 0 of 5 from three, 12 points. Yep. Not good. What? Nope. 54 minutes. Of a possible 58, and he was a plus 12 in a game that his team won by three. In four minutes, he was on the bench. They were a minus nine. And this is not the first time that this has been the case in the series. If Siakam can put together any level of efficiency, that would really help this Raptors team because with seemingly him on the court, they are still at their best. Two things, though, going into that next game that stand out to me. Well, unless you wanted to go with the Siakam thing there, Dane. Sorry.
1: Yeah, I, I do want to, like, that's cool, right? And you're like, but it's an if. They are literally, yeah. Kevin, sinking off of him and daring him to take a 15-foot jumper. Right? Like, one hundred that's not sustainable. He, you say he has to become more efficient yes he does because the other thing you said is right right the um, Ananobi miracle three with .5 seconds left in game three to save the series the performance of Kyle Lowry and some of the refs in overtime and double overtime to save the series I think you're right two of the three Toronto wins have been rabbits out of the hat if they want to actually win in game seven I agree Boston I think has been the better team they are going to need that version of Siakam and, and it It hasn't happened just yet. Do you, like, believe Siakam can flip a switch? I get the plus-minus ratio, but what we've talked about all series long is that Toronto's going to have to get offense from some of these key guys. It came from, like, Norman Powell yesterday. They can't allow Siakam to kind of be this weak link and allow Boston to treat it that way, rightfully so, and expect, you know, this game was short of triple digits Before overtime, this was a lock solid under before overtime. They are going to need Siakam, and I don't know if he's capable because I think it's starting to get in his head. I saw him looking at the scoreboard a ton of times after missing ridiculous open shots.
2: No, listen, Pascal Siakam is not a guarantee to turn it on. My point is, despite his inefficiencies, this is not the first time that we've seen him put up a game where his plus minus makes it seem like he's still incredibly valuable To this team, as we welcome in the radio audience right here, this is the early line. I'm Kevin Walsh, alongside Dane Martinez, as always, especially those out there on the West Coast with the mightier 1090. But two things going into this next game, Dane. One, from a simple narrative perspective, Cardiac Kemba will be expected to be out in full force. Because one, that is a name that he has earned going back to his college days, and two, there's no way he does not believe that this entire game uh, seven existing is his fault. Scoring five points in 52 minutes on two of 11 shooting—that's just unacceptable from a player of Kemba's level. And they got a 23-point double from Marcus Smart. Uh, Tatum mm-hmm. almost gave them his own triple double. Jalen Brown had 20 at the half. You needed Kemba to bring you home. And to be fair, he played much better. It felt like an overtime, but yeah. it still wasn't good enough. The most important thing, though, Dane, is the total for Game Seven: mm. 203 and a half. Keeps going seven- lower points taken off this number from what we saw in game six now part of that is the fact that this is a game seven yep. ambitious decision there part of it is this game needed that second overtime to get to get you, here. to cross that threshold right and to get yourself above 200 points i find myself already very torn because on one hand Dane, the way that we've seen game sevens in this playoffs and what we've seen from these two teams, the final score might be 64 to 60 in the most disgusting game in 2020 that yep. I mean could you but like that's legitimately in the cards. however in the second overtime that score was 1916 and that's five minutes of work that puts you on pace for well above 70 points in a quarter now it's only a five minute burst i just wonder did the raptors find something maybe they just were you know they found the efficiency and it worked out for a five minute stretch but did they find something because if the raptors score i expect boston to do it with them that's just something that'll be lingering in the back of my mind as game seven awaits us
1: No, that's fair. I just think I'll lean on the five-minute sample size and the fact that they hit their last six shots. (laughs) You know, that's just what happened. But these teams are knockdown drag out. It was a physical matchup. And the way Game 7s go, I would actually lean with it being much more like a 1990s Eastern Conference game and maybe struggling to get to triple digits. We'll talk about the other action in the NBA when we come back Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on the sports grid. Kev, we talked about what I thought was a very exciting game in the Eastern Conference playoffs in our last segment. Let's turn our attention to the action that happened in the Western Conference in the NBA. It wasn't out west. It was still in the bubble in Orlando. But the Clippers and Nuggets had game four of their series. I don't know if we saw playoff P anymore, right? Paul George didn't do the job, but only 10-3. and three. But why Leonard and his 30 points were enough as the Clippers beat the Denver Nuggets in game four 96 to 85 they now take a commanding 3-1 lead in this series but the Nuggets have been here before they were down 3-1 to the Utah Jazz and came all the way back this time may be a little different against the Los Angeles Clippers especially if they're only putting up 85 points a game huh
2: Kev I'm so done with this Denver team man I mean four for four in this series they've had a quarter where they're not able to touch 20 points I mean I guess they got it out of the way early 12 points and a quarter are you yeah. kidding me and this is the thing I know look at the clippers defensively listen they did the same nonsense against the jazz who although they have a good defensive reputation weren't as good defensively uh, as you would think 12 points in a quarter by the way I don't care who's defending you is unacceptable. This team, like, yeah, you know, I, I as much as I want a joke, they got them right where they want them. Um, this team should really be hanging their heads because game one was what it was. Game two, they win. They should have had game three. And I'm sure that they'll feel that way as well. Dan, if I would have told you that they were going to hold the Clippers to under 100 yeah. points. Yeah. They didn't even cover. They didn't even cover a nine or eight-point spread In a game where they held the Clips to 96. Michael Porter Jr. didn't score in the second half. Jamal Murray pretty much put up garbage time points to save another awful performance from him. Jokic is out there on an island. What happened to Grant? Paul Millsap, 0 of 1. Three points. Thanks for showing up, pal. Hit the bricks. Don't need it. Gary Harris. I I, I guess the offense is never going to come. Hate to see it. Torrey Craig. Appreciate your one point, pal. Monty Morris filling it up with five. It's disgraceful. And Mike Malone, to me, was on the hot seat at the point where that series was 3-1. And then they come back, and you give them all the credit in the world. And losing to the title favorites in five is not the most damning thing. And I'm not calling for them to fire Mike Malone. But I got questions, man. Why? Why? In every single game, must you have at least one quarter of complete and utter incompetence?
1: So let me ask you, because I may have an answer. Let's see if you buy it. Okay. Um, We had somewhat similar conversations when I was all hyped up on the dynamic offense of the Portland Trailblazers. And then they ran up against the Los Angeles Lakers defense. And you were like, no, no, no. This is the Lakers defense that's doing it now in this situation it sounds like instead of giving credit to the Clippers defense like that's my answer Kev you're saying like what's going on maybe the answer is the Clippers defense because when it was the Lakers defense you were comfortable with that being the answer so what if it's not Mike Malone what if it's not what the Denver Nuggets are doing what if it's not because of Millsap or Porter or Murray what if it's because of Kawhi and Beverly and George and Morris what I I just wonder, maybe you don't think the analogy holds, right? But when Portland was this dynamic offense, they ran up against the Lakers' defense, and you were like, that's going to be the variable that changes it. And you were correct, Kev. Why, don't, why doesn't the shine go to the Clippers' defense
2: as opposed to hate for the Nuggets' offense? Because they did this against the Jazz. That's why. Listen, the Clippers have a very talented team with defensive juggernauts. Absolutely. But okay. this is five games in a row. And even if you want to say, ah, yeah, but that's going back to a game seven. They did this in the first game in a game. They actually won in overtime against Denver or against Utah in game three. They didn't get to 15 points in the first quarter. That's my issue with them. Again, I, I give the Clippers credit. These th- this team is okay. the title favorite for a reason. But I do think that this is more of a Denver issue than the other side. Because this uh, this isn't new. This is unsurprising. I went into the game saying, man, I wonder which quarter they won't hit 20. And they got it out of the way right away. I mean, and they hardly responded. Dane, they came out. I don't know if you got to see this. The second half, they came out on mm-hmm. an 8-0 run in the first two right. minutes. And then struggled to score another eight points over the next nine minutes in that quarter. What is going on? What like are you are you a, a bunch of NBA players or not? Offenses are too good in this day and age to have to, to be able to bank on them going under 20 points in a quarter in every single game this series. We we can only come up with so many excuses for them. Because in game one it was about the fatigue. Right? Game two, listen, here they are. Game three, they choke away the fourth quarter and score 19 points. Yes, the Clippers have a role in this. This is—is is this the dominant like Dane? Let me ask you this: Is this the dominant yeah. version of the Clippers that justify a title favorite price? Are, have, are they an impressive three and one right now in this series? To you, not to me.
1: Yeah, I I understand where you're going. I under but however, I think at this point of the season, I don't care about being impressive, Kev. You know, I don't give a damn. They're three. They're three one up, right? So however, it's getting done. It's getting done. And I I just feel that. You're right. The performance of Denver offensively has been poor, and there's a myriad of, you know, kind of excuses that could be out there, right? The tired legs in game one, blah, blah. I I gotcha. I am not trying to offer excuses. I'm trying to give credit to the Clippers' defense. And, like, you, it's probably a combination of both, right, Kev? I just am putting a little bit more of it on the Clippers' defense, and it sounds like you're putting a little bit more of it faulting, say, Malone or the Clippers' offense. The outcome is the outcome. The rationale of who's to get credit or blame for it, I think we slightly differ on I'm giving more credit to the Clippers. You're giving more blame to the Nuggets, I feel like. Would that be a little bit fair to say?
2: Yeah, no, that, that, that's fair. And this is the thing overall the idea of look up three one is up three one yes yeah but the clippers are a team that we are going to be talking about in the next round they sit there at minus money to win the west they sit there as your title favorites so i do care i do give a damn about impressive or not because i need to know what the perception is going to be for you next round and when we go into that series which everyone believes will be against the lakers and we're assuming that the Nuggets don't have another 3-1 comeback in them, which I think are okay assumptions for the conversation we're having, we're going to have to look back at how they played against Denver. And if we're going to hang our hat on them holding the the Lakers to under 20 points in a quarter every single game, I don't know if I want to hang my hat on that.
1: Yeah, but but here's the thing, it's all relative, right, Kev? I, if we get to LA LA as the Western Conference Finals, right? Would I be expecting the Lakers to have sub-20 quarters every game? No, not necessarily. What I would expect is two teams that have good defenses going at each other. I would expect a lot of like Boston and Toronto, to be quite honest. You know, and I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't use the previous series as as reference points per se it is interesting though kev that you say we can assume the lakers are there they are up 2-1 on the houston rockets game four is tonight okay the lakers are five point favorites in this one the total is still up there at 220 and a half i know we're going to talk about it more on the other side of the break we've got the news update to get to for sure but you know this is a 2-1 series okay Mm -hmm. and i know you're heavy lakers If Houston wins tonight, and they're not favored to do so, they are, in fact, plus 184 on the money line to do so. But then we're standing here, tied 2-2 with a best-of-three series. So we need to talk about this game and why you believe it's a fair assumption that the Lakers will continue to roll past these Houston Rockets. Because at this point, Kev, it's 2-1 after three.
2: Yeah, no, listen. I mean, this is, you know, as tight as it could be after three ultimately asking the Lakers to beat the Rockets three times in a row is far from an easy task I think the question that we're going to have to explore when we come back from break is have the Rockets been figured out and you know when you look at this Rockets team what are their answers to the questions that the Lakers are forcing them to answer
1: Fair enough. We will pose those questions and see if there are answers. Anybody who's been watching this show, I'll tell you, Kevin's not going to think there is. I'm going to wonder if there are, and we will talk about that when we come back. But before that, let's get the news update from SportsGrid to see what happened overnight. And we'll talk more about this game right here on The Early Line. All right. Welcome back in everybody right here onto the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, including our radio audience from around the country with the mightier 1090 on the West Coast. Thanks for waking up very early with us. You know, I mean, they said it in the update, Kev, like we're ready for some football tonight. I have all the fun tonight. (laughs) But in any event, you don't want to hear me sing. Let's talk Rockets Lakers. okay? because you have it sounds like a working thesis. That maybe the Rockets have been figured out. Tell me why. And tell me why it is enough to override previous concepts that we've had around, like, the Rockets always being live. How do you believe they have been figured out to this point?
2: Well, for a long time, we talked about the threshold we did the Rockets hit 40% of their threes they win it was something that you and I uh had disagreed I was 16 and 0 on it Kev I was 16 and 0 on it you were rolling hot Dane you were rolling hot you know (laughs) something that you and I we had those conversations without knowing those exact numbers and we now look at it and for 16 games you were absolutely right I wouldn't have thought that they would have been 16 and 0 in those first games I think I guessed way, originally
1: though. with you something like thirteen and five or something like that, right? Right. Because that would even still be a trend. But sixteen and zero?
2: No, absolutely. But there's a new trend, and a trend mm-hmm. that I certainly saw possibly being uh, available there, which is zero and two in games that they've done it against the Lakers here in the playoffs, because that's what's exactly happened the last two games, and that's why Dane. And listen, I'm going to push you on this because I, I know when it comes to the Lakers, you like to play a devil's advocate more. And, and I know you like to prod a little bit as it comes to the Lakers. But you tell me, back-to-back Knights hitting 40% from three, what's the answer for this Rockets team? Are they going to have to be a juggernaut defensively and, and you know do what the Clippers just did and look to hold their opponent to under 90? Because I'm not sure. They, they shot 40% from three and scored 102 points. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did.
1: You're not going to like my answer, Kev. Okay? You're not going to like my answer. Um, when the Rockets traded Clint Capella, when the Rockets decided, right, that P.J. Tucker, who, by the way, did not get over on the damn rebounds prop, we'll check what it is for tonight. When they decided, right, that their brand was going to be microball, Right. They, in essence, shoved all in, Kev. OK, so the answer, to be honest, is not to change anything. Their answer, I believe, is to, you know, trust the girl you brought to the dance. Right. And believe that um that the Owen, two is a smaller sample size than the 16 and 0, right? And still rely on their style of play. I don't think the adjustment is what, because like you're saying, what's the adjustment? My answer to you is none okay my answer to you is to continue to have faith in the way you got to this point the reason people thought you were live in the first place the reason that 16 and 0 was the first place the reason pj tucker is who he is in the first place i think their answer is you can't abandon it now you gotta just hope what you do is good enough and there are teams all across the nba the nfl major league baseball who play the same way now Will it be good enough? We'll see. They've got three more chances to make it happen. But I don't think there's adjustments to make.
2: I think they got to yeah. just shove all in with their style. So there there might be one adjustment. But here's the thing. And I agree. No, they shouldn't all of a sudden look to play Tyson Chandler 25 no, right, right, right. I'm right. not saying. Feed Covington in the post. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that one bit. What I'm saying is, though, the style has worked at its best twice. And they lost. Simply put, do they shoot forty percent from three again this series? I think so. I mean, if they don't, because per- they didn't win
1: another game, you know. But like, I, I, but based I think they
2: will percent. But, but because based on the percentages, you're a math guy. That's outrageous if they shoot another game at forty percent from three. That's that's completely ridiculous to for them to shoot three times above forty percent in four games. Or five games, or six games, or even seven games. That is an outrageous clip to do that. This is a team game that shot, by the way. Above, What's their above season below, percentage? 35% below. Okay. Because of how many okay. they take. So it's outrageous to think that they're going it, to. It's outrageous if they do it again. I understand why you're saying it. I don't want to put it like that.
1: The I'm saying that this is their way. This is the way yes. they're going to win. So they got to do it.
2: But it's not worked. And if there's no adjustment, Dana, ultimately, if the best way for you to break down a brick wall is to run headfirst into it, and you do it twice, and you don't break down the brick wall, now the best way we just said is to run headfirst into it. But unfortunately, we might have already found out that that's not good enough. The one adjustment that is there, and the one thing that we will have to look for, is can this team just double the amount of threes they take? That's the one thing that they can hope because I would tell you this based on how they shot in the first game and losing that is such a crazy outlier for them to hit 45% of their threes on 53 attempts is insane for that to be the first time that they lost had they shot another 50 attempts in this game and shot another 40% they probably would have been able to win the game but that's a genuine adjustment from the Lakers forcing them inside more and if that's something that the lakers are able to force then i don't know what the rockets are meant to do
1: i hear you i will just say one of the things you said in that breakdown and i don't disagree with a lot of what you said one of the things you did say is we may have found out right that it doesn't work and 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 the rockets can't believe that to be true that's all i'm saying right and your analogy of running through the wall is one thing maybe i offer a different style of one in the sports world you're a ufc guy right there's strikers and there's wrestlers right you know and you may have an opportunity where someone knows they gotta wrestle this guy and they're gonna try to but they get clocked with a right hook and they go down right they try it again and they get nailed on the button They're still going to approach the trilogy as I got to get this guy on the mat because that's what I do. You know, so I think that is an apropos analogy. I just don't think the Rockets are changing anything now. You may be right. It may not be good enough, but I don't think there's any change in the cards for the Houston Rockets tonight. But we will see. It's a five-point spread, 220 and a half is the total given the way you think it breaks down let me ask you real quick how are you going to make money on this in the prop market are you saying that like i don't know if they've been figured out are you going to look to any of these rockets made threes are you looking to go back to pj tucker with the rebounding prop has that market changed at all we're in the prop market because you have been the prop king in these nba playoffs what are you looking at tonight
2: uh, I think the P.J. Tucker thing is interesting because, you know, he went under – Is are we now off of it or was that a one instance? It's plus one away from him to get over seven and a half. Uh, you would rather seven than and a number half still number six and a half. I just – I want to throw out a number that's very interesting to me. Um, ultimately, if, you know, w- w- if we when we get to the window, Dane Wright, we well, I just realized I'm going to have a Lakers game on and a football game on. Football yeah. secondary. Um, <laughs> Russell Westbrook's 24 and a half. Russ okay. had 30 last game. Like, if I gave you... Dan, if I would have told you that Russ had 30 points, eight boards, and six assists in a game that they shot 40%, you're like, yeah, well, they would by 28. Um, I know, all right Remember, I was pushing his triple-double bet, maybe. No, absolutely. What I'm intrigued by is... And now, we might not have... You might have to play it, because I don't know how much longer we even have in this series. But if the Lakers have created an avenue to where the Rockets are actually going to have to take way more twos than anticipated, then Westbrook having the most field goal attempts Mm. for this team, a little bit misleading with Harden shooting one less and having a couple more free throws, but still, then it might not be a good thing for the Rockets, but Westbrook's point prop of 24.5 might present value to the over if the Lakers are able to force that to be the case. On the other side of that coin, though, he made two Mm -hmm. threes in that game. Had he not made those threes, he's at 24. He's a player whose efficiency can completely go by the wayside. And to your point, Dane, if they're going to go back to Rockets ball and they're going to just huck threes at will, then that 24 and a half might be getting an undeserved boost from yeah. what he did last game, and the value was on the under.
1: Yeah, you know, for this game, you have a clear way of how you see this, right? Like, they've answered the question, they're going to force the mid-range jumpers, that sort of thing. And and if that premise is true, then all that corollary analysis makes complete sense, right? I, ju- I don't fully know if that answer is like so solidified that's just
2: me right i i I I don't know if it's hundred percent solidified either i'm just saying through three games we have to take what we have
1: fair and it's three games right do we rely because i still believe that 16 instances is a stronger sample size than two i just do kev you know what i mean
2: it's happened 18 times out of 82 tries (laughs) They should not shoot 40% again for the rest of this series. You're right.
1: That is less than a quarter of the time, and they've done it two out of three times. We will see. This is definitely going to be interesting to see the style of play. Like you said, do the Rockets adjust? I don't think Dan Tony has an adjustment in him. I think he just does his <laughs> style, and whether Talks it's Chandler, good or not. Baby. The Phoenix Suns never changed their style, and it was just good enough to get where they got with the new good. Brooklyn Nets head coach. But I digress. That's another topic for another day. Did you see that Steve Nash acknowledged? That he, quote unquote, skipped the line for his head coaching duties in Brooklyn, acknowledging that and it was really his relationship with Kevin Durant. I digress, but Kev, check this out. The NFL is coming online for us, right? We kick off today. The NBA playoffs, we're getting down to, you know, we're going to have like four teams left. But guess what? Coming up soon? we're going to have 16 playoff teams in major league baseball and we are in the stretch run to that kev so when we come back in the early line we're going to look at the standings we're going to look at some key major league baseball games and their impact we will do all of that when we come back right here on the early line dane martinez and kevin walsh putting the fun and functional sports content right here giving you the edge on sports grid come on back after this Hey, welcome back, everybody. Right here onto the early line, Dane Martinez, Kevin Walsh. We're putting the fun and functional sports content. And yes, the NBA playoffs are going on. And yes, we kick off the NFL season tonight. But we talked about that Chiefs-Texans game in the NFL for about an hour. We broke down all of the games in the NBA. And so we have to be, you know, we got to give attention to Major League Baseball as well because we are coming down to it. And we have been talking about how the Yankees are still the bottom seed right there in the American League. There's a number of kind of races. In the national league, that we are intrigued by, we're loving the fathers, the dads. But I want to ask you the Yankees got a win, so it kind of staves off the Baltimore Orioles. But they start a series with the Baltimore Orioles today. And Kev, this game, Yankees O's, it's in Yankee Stadium. The Orioles send Keegan Aiken to the mound, the Yankees send Garrett Cole. To the mound. How confident should I feel in this one?
2: You should feel 1,000% confidence. for of there what? is nothing Of a Yankee to win? Order. Absolutely, Dane. Okay. It's minus 250 for a reason. It should be minus 500. I don't care. Buy in. The Yanks are about to go on a little run here. Uh, they got the nice win against the Blue Jays. Very, very big time. The Orioles let the rope slip a little bit foolishly against the New York Metropolitans. We appreciate the neighbors getting the job done. And here is why I feel good. Here's why I feel excited. Tell me. And I'm probably silly for feeling this way, but all the Yankees had to do, all the Yankees had to do was win one measly game in order for the book to say, you know what? They are the best team in the American League. And put them back on their own line for the AL pennant versus the Tampa Bay Rays.
1: Fair enough. And listen, you got to think Garrett Cole is the guy you want on the mound in this situation. And yes, right, with this series starting with Baltimore, if they take care of business this weekend, we're probably okay. Right? Because then we're staring at something like – a.
2: Don't say if you think it's good. You think it's good to go if they're standing four
1: games up on them with like what, 15, 16 to play? You would feel in the clear. Okay, fair enough. Well, let me ask you this one then, Kev, because another thing that happened with their win yesterday, I misspoke before. The Yankees technically are no longer the eighth seed in the American League because that's how close this is. That's how much this can move and shake because over out West last night, the Oakland Athletics, 1-3-2, Ramon Laureano, remember who was the uh, reason the benches emptied way back when with Oakland and Houston? Uh, He got a game-winning RBI. The A's get the win. And with that loss, the Houston Astros fall to the eighth spot In the American League, the Yankees are one over. The Astros are right there at 500, just a game and a half ahead of those Baltimore Orioles. Houston and Oakland continue to play. Talk to me about that game. I think this is another series that's really important. We've got Mania for Oakland or Keity for Houston tonight or today.
2: So the the big thing to note is um, kind of what you were just getting into there. The Astros have the eighth best record in the American League.
1: But But they're a second-place team. Yeah.
2: So the Yankees are the eighth seed currently. Yeah. And it's actually the Twins right now who sit there with the fifth-best record in the American League as the seventh seed. So right now, if the season ended today, the White Sox would draw. Think about this. And this is why this is a little wonky here. But the White Sox, as the three, would draw the eighth-best team in And then the The Astros, right, playing the seventh, and the two-seeded A's would draw the fifth. So that's a tough break there. uh, When you look at it from that perspective, Um, Cleveland would end up, I believe, then drawing uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, So I think that that's pretty interesting. Uh, You know, for the Astros, and this is where they're just not in the same level of danger as the Yankees, despite having a worse record. Because they are two and a half up on the Seattle Mariners. And that's what matters to them, not the Orioles or the Tigers.
1: Yeah. No, that's a very good point, right? It's really the Toronto Blue Jays that mess everything up for the Yankees, right? Not even the Rays. Because to your point, let's just reset this. Eight teams qualify for the playoffs. However, it is not the three division winners and then five wild cards. It is the three division winners, the three second-place teams, which right now Houston is safe in as a second-place team, and then two wild cards. So the Yankees are literally competing for the wild card against anybody else who's around 500 in the East, in the West, and in the Central. The Astros, as long as they can maintain second place, have their playoff spot guaranteed. That is a very interesting and important clarification as we look to this playoff race in the American League. Kev, I got to ask you about a team in the National League. Do you remember, I think it was last week, we talked about the Philadelphia Phillies, and we talked about how not only were they within shouting distance of the Braves, but because of their pause of COVID, that they had something like four or five games in hand, right? And then there was also the question of, oh, well, if they play really well, go four and one in those five games, they make up another two games, right? And that's the kind of little elephant in the room with teams that have been on break because of COVID as we get inside 15, 20 games left. Well, Kev, there is no situation where this is more important than the St. Louis Cardinals. And I want to ask you about how you view this. As you know, the Cardinals were out for a while. If you look at the standings, Kev, in the National League Central, okay, the Cubs are six games over 500 in first place. The Cardinals are the only other team, Kev, in that division above 500. So to your previous point where we're comparing the Astros and the Yankees' fortune. The Cardinals are in second place and are there, you know, kind of strongly, right? Because the Brewers are a few games under. They have a, you know, like two, three games on third place. So they're safe in that range. My question is about their opportunity to win the division, Kev, because I look, they got a doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers today. They're going to have a lot of doubleheaders. The Phillies had like four games in hand on the Braves for that division. The Cardinals... As I look at it, you know I like the math piece. The Cardinals have nine less games played than the Chicago Cubs. They're going to have to make those games up. And, Kev, they're playing above 500. So if they play those games above 500, they further eat into that two-and-a-half game lead. And it starts with a doubleheader today against the Tigers. What do you think about these cards? It's still all out in front of them. Could this somehow be a blessing in disguise that they know what they need to do are getting hot and are poised to be able to, you know, use these games in hand.
2: So what I love about this is you bring this up and instantly, Dane, you know, we have to then start searching. And if you'll notice there is one division whose odds to win the division is currently not up. Down. The Fandle Sportsbook sees what you see. The Cardinals are alive here, but they don't know whether to make heads or tails of this because of right. the gap that exists in games played. So, yes, I do believe that the St. Louis Cardinals, who are a team that you know, you, you can trust, right? It, it, that, that's what they are, I think, as a team uh, sure. what they, or as an organization. I think them right. having a doubleheader here against the Tigers is something that, you know, if I'm a Cardinals fan, I feel great about. Flaherty on the bump for the first game, both of these games at home, uh, and then you, you know, you've know you got the Cubs uh, going up against the Reds, albeit at Wrigley, but they're going to see Sonny Gray today. Look, if you can get a little bit of help from the Reds here in this series, and if they're seeing Sonny Gray today, is this the start of a set or the end of a set?
1: Because that would Which then one? mean
2: that they're going to have no, okay. For the who? End of the, the Cubs? The Cubs. The yeah, the Cubs say, and
1: Cincy, the they've been playing Cincinnati in a great yeah, Trevor yeah, Bauer right. start yesterday. The Reds won 3 0. So that's continuing. There are some new series as we get into the weekend, mm-hmm. but that one's the final yeah. game of the set. Yeah.
2: But still, if they can get so, if they win twice today, favored to do so, and yeah. the Cubs lose their game, which I don't believe we have lines for just yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Reds were favorite due to the pitching advantage. I mean, look at this. Look at where we're going to be at day's end. We're going to have the Cardinals, you know, three games over. And we're going to have the Cubs there with potentially their 20th loss of the season.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing, Kev. Okay. Like, I just want to zoom out and really put it in brass tacks. Okay. The last day, we are standing here now. It is September 10th, Kevin. Yeah. The regular season in Major League Baseball is slated to end Sunday, September 27th. Like week three of the NFL season, okay? There are 17 days left, okay? September 27th, in 17 days, Kevin. In those 17 days, the Chicago Cubs have 16 games to play, the St. Louis Cardinals have 25 games to play in 17 days. I don't know if that's a blessing, Kev. You know what I mean? Like, that's no easy task. How are they going to get their 25 games in 17 days? What about the scenario where they can't get to 17, 70, 60 games, but because they are a playoff contender and even potentially a division champ contender, how are they going to figure this out? There's 17 days left, and they got 25 games to play. Are you talking about literally nine of the 17 days playing doubleheaders, Kevin?
2: I mean, take a look at it here at their schedule. You know, they're going to play Detroit twice. Then they got Cincy for three. Then they say, then they see Milwaukee for five. Then they see yeah. Pittsburgh for five. <laughs> then they've got the Royals for three. And then they see Milwaukee for another five. This is actually really interesting here, Dane. Where, yeah. I mean, they've got to play the, the Brewers 10 times. Does that familiarity there potentially play into their hand? Or is it kind of a scenario where it's like, listen, a division team like the you'll be lucky to be seven and three in those Brewers games? Now, Kev, I, I hear what you're
1: saying. The reason why I don't like it is something different. Okay? Familiarity, whatever. Here's here's the trump card for you, Kev. How do you have starting pitchers to play nine games in five days?
2: <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. Listen, um, the logistics Seriously. of it all like they
1: will have to reach down to lower quality pitchers they're taxi squad dudes right they're gonna have to call up guys literally just to make the starts okay yeah and think so about they're the not gonna be, gonna be right right they're gonna have to use you got double headers you're gonna have to use your backup catcher for like 50 percent of your games you know that sort of stuff is truly gonna compromise. What version of the Cardinals we see for these games? This is going to be a very interesting topic, Kevin. I think the Cardinals, along with, I guess, the Yankees at the bottom of the AL, are teams that we have to continue to look at the way the Cardinals play and who they are able to run out there for doubleheader after doubleheader after doubleheader albeit seven-inning ones, is going to be very, very interesting. One other game I want to ask you about, a series that's going on here, Padres and Giants, Kev, out West. You know we love the Padres, yes, but I bring this up actually because of the Giants, Kev. The Giants have won five in a row. The Giants are two games over 500. The Giants are now in the playoff spot uh, in a wild-card spot. This is a big series for the Giants.
2: Giants are the sixth best record in the National League. Like th- at this two is, games uh, over 500. <laughs> yes. I mean, sure. But listen, still, though, like, I mean, look, they, they have one of the few teams actually with a plus run differential yeah. in this uh, league. Like, you know, we said that there was meant to be variants, right? Yep. And I think the fact that we're looking at the Giants right now in and the Orioles on the cusp, Right. no matter how good the there's Dodgers a variance look, like the variance was absolutely here
1: yeah absolutely and so i just want to keep an eye on them okay you know right you laugh because you know i love the padres and all yeah, but yeah, this yeah. is a big game chris paddock on the hill for the fathers uh so we will see how it goes down we keep an eye on these teams though we'll tie a nice neat little bow on this episode of the early line when we come back
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com.
1: Welcome back here, everybody. On the early line where we put the fun and functional sports content. And Kev, we got a couple minutes. Let's go back to tonight's game. We got Chiefs. We got Texans. We know what it is. Nine and a half points is the spread. Right now, 53 and a half is the total, although that total has been moving a little bit more than the side has at least. Uh, If you weren't with us at the top of the show, I think this is an under game. Kevin thinks this is an over game, and we have our first gentleman's bet of the NFL season.
2: Now, Dane, despite you already trying to scoot out of the first hour of tomorrow's show because of your fear of how this might play out, genuinely, though, you've been talking about this for a long time, the total in this. Yeah, game, right? And every And it's down
1: three points now, from where it started.
2: So that's my question to you, though. At what point are you like, OK, now I'm good? Because, you know, like for them to score 54 points or 55 points or 56 points, those are all reasonable numbers. Where, you know, and again, the gentleman's bet is, is for fun here. Um, of course. Where you would lose that, but what you had been saying for months holds true. So is there kind of a point where you're like, yeah, listen, I think it's an under game, but these are still two good offenses, and, and the number's now gotten away from where I liked it.
1: That's fair. I mean, I would have liked it better at 55 and a half. I like it better at 54 and a half. And I do also see 54 as sort of a key number when it comes to total. So the reason it's gone bef- between 54 and a half and 53 and a half is no surprise. Right. They don't want to go too far from there. But no, I still like it because my predominant reason for this is I think I think it's going to go way under be quite honest and this is the highest total on the board in nfl week one yes the chiefs and the texans are good offenses but for me the predominant thing is this is right out the gate and everybody we were talking before break we're expecting bombs to be hit with perfect stride in chemistry right out the gate i'm not But we will talk about it tomorrow. Keep it locked here on Sports Grid the morning after, FSC, game time decisions. And then, Kevin, you'll be talking about it when the game is on on in-game live. So we'll see how the live totals move throughout the night. But we will talk about it tomorrow here on The Early Line. Everybody have a great day. Football is here